0: Amen. Amen. Um, this is my third shirt, because <clears throat> I've sweat through the previous two. Uh, welcome. Welcome. I was on an airplane a couple of years ago. And I sat next to someone, and I uh, was hoping that, obviously, there, no one would sit next to me. And then this young girl <clears throat> turned out to be a Fresno State student named Megan. And we're having a nice conversation about her life, her major, why she's traveling. And about 10 minutes into the conversation, she asked me, what do you do? And I say, I'm a pastor. And immediately I'm wondering, does she think I'm weird? Does she think I'm gonna preach at her? Does she regret sitting next to me? Should I ask her if she'd like to give her tithes and offerings to prodigal church? No, I'm not thinking that. Um, as I'm sitting there on this airplane, I'm almost praying that she doesn't ask me what I do. There have been times when someone has asked me what I do and I say, I'm a teacher. Or I say, I'm a, I'm a community leader. Uh, because I know that if I tell them I'm a Christian minister, all kinds of images come to their mind that have nothing to do with following Jesus. They're gonna think I'm weird. It's like, how can I tell them I love Jesus But I'm not weird. And for the next five weeks, we're going to be exploring just that. We're going to be exploring the book of Acts, and we'll discover a vibrant and transformative faith in Jesus that isn't judgmental, that isn't consumed with telling everyone that they're going to hell, a faith that doesn't have an insider-outsider mentality, that doesn't think it's our job to fight and argue with people. And it's going to be a ton of fun journeying through this series. And in a couple of weeks, we're going to be hearing some of your stories of people in our church that love Jesus, but they're not weird. And they're going to be proclaiming their faith in Jesus through baptism. And that's going to be in a couple of weeks, and we couldn't be more excited. I became a Christian in 1995 at a church youth group. I love that church youth group. I met my wife at that church youth group. Most of my best friends I met in that youth ministry. I got my first job in a church, in ministry, in that youth group. And for most of my days there at that church, I thought it was the greatest place in the world. But that doesn't mean there wasn't flaws. In 1997, I went on my first missions trip. It was a spring break missions trip to Mexico. Some of you have been on a trip similar to that. And so uh, I, was a small part, I was a part of a, a, a team that went to a small village in Mexicali. And uh, we played soccer with children. We, uh, we did vacation Bible school with them. And it was great. And then some of the leaders of our team were going to go do something called door-to-door evangelism. And uh, I was so zealous. And they asked any of the teenagers, hey, do you guys want to go with us? And everybody else just wanted to either stay with their friends or play with the kids. But I volunteered. So I went with, with two of our team leaders door-to-door evangelizing. I was mostly quiet watching my leaders and praying silently at each doorbell. I remember hoping that no one would answer the door, that we would just keep walking. But after a couple of houses and a couple of sinners prayers through our translator, one of our leaders said, hey John, you do the next one. So I ring the doorbell and a woman who looked like she was in her fifties answers the door. And she was probably in her 30s, but when you're a teenager, when you're 30, you might as well be 50, right? And I remember what I said. I remember everything I said that day. I said, imagine the worst kind of torture, constant agony. And I told this to this woman, and then I said, now imagine that that goes on forever and ever with no end. That's hell. That's what hell is like, and you'll go there without Jesus. And then I went on to describe, with Jesus, you get heaven. And heaven is the greatest feeling forever and ever and ever. And I said, would you like to receive Jesus so you can go to heaven instead of hell? That may have been your pastor's very first sermon. Not very good, huh? The book of Acts tells the story of the time when Jesus left earth after the resurrection. And then the gospel began to spread all the way from Jerusalem All the way to the end of the world into the Roman Empire it traces the journeys of Peter and Paul and others as they start churches across the Roman Empire and they themselves are continually transformed and changed by following Jesus and in Acts chapter 2 the Apostle Peter stands up in front of a crowd of religious Jews and he begins to tell the crowd the good news of Jesus starting with the Old Testament and culminating with this chapter chapter 2 verse 36 Therefore, let all Israel be assured, God has made this Jesus whom you crucified both Lord and Messiah. When the the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. Verse 40, with many other words, he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. There are many other sermons in the book of Acts. Paul is particularly long-winded. One time when Paul's preaching a sermon, someone falls asleep and then falls off a roof. Um, and then uh, he's hurt, but then he is healed. Okay. Uh, I've had people fall asleep plenty of times on a Sunday morning while I'm preaching, Um, Hopefully they don't fall out of their chair. But Paul's very long-winded. He shares his testimony several times throughout the book of Acts. And listen, throughout the book of Acts, throughout the book in the Bible that tells the story of the early church, throughout the book that should be our handbook for evangelism because thousands and thousands start following Jesus as these new churches are planted throughout the Roman Empire, throughout this book, there is not one sermon that speaks of heaven or hell. Can you believe that? I I had to double-check it again this week for myself. These sermons where thousands of people commit their lives to the risen king, and there's absolutely no appeal to the afterlife. One scholar said this, if you cannot preach the gospel without appealing to afterlife issues, then you cannot preach the gospel as the apostles did. Acts is the story of the Holy Spirit coming upon the first disciples. And never once in the book of Acts do the disciples say, here's how you get to heaven and here's how you avoid hell. It was about Jesus being Lord. It's not just Lord of your life because that's just selling the gospel short. He's not just Lord of your life, he's Lord of all. Our entire lives should reflect that Lordship. So how was my sermon on that front porch with that 30 something year old Mexican woman in Mexicali, Mexico? How was my sermon? bad okay really bad and yet later that night when we were reporting back to to everyone else on our missions teams one of our leaders got up and told the story of how john this 16 year old kid led a mexican woman to the lord on our front porch and everybody applauded funny thing is jesus never said go into the world and convert people to christianity Never says it. What he did say was go and make disciples of all nations, encouraging anyone, everyone to become an apprentice of Jesus without manipulation. Here, prodigal, we don't count conversions, we count conversations. We are much more about counting conversations than we're about counting conversions. We're not obsessed with converting people to Christianity. We don't want to make converts, we want to make disciples. Caesar Nero did not execute the Apostle Peter and Paul for telling people how to get to heaven when they die. Jesus didn't get crucified for telling people how to get to heaven when they die. No, the question isn't solely, is Jesus Lord of your life? The question is, is Jesus Lord of all? And another thing we say here at Prodigal Church is that don't invite people to church. Invite yourself to leave the church and find people and love them. Jesus never invites anyone to a synagogue. The disciples in the book of Acts, they meet people where they are. Listen, I'm a pastor. I would love for you to invite people to our church. But evangelism is much more about how you live than the questions you ask. So the question then is, how can we show and share Jesus, the love of Jesus, the love of the living God, without being weird? I think a great metaphor is dancing. Evangelism should be like dancing. Some of you are freaking out right now because you can't dance. What are you going to do? Listen, evangelism should be like dancing. We should hear the music of the gospel, and our lives should move to that music. It should be in sync with that tune. And it's not about winning and losing. I think that's one of the reasons I think that the dance metaphor is so beautiful. Dance is not about winning and losing. When music ends, you don't sneer at your partner and say, Gotcha, I won that dance, 7 to 3, boom. Nope. Also, in dance, you need to have a willing partner. Some of us need to take note about this. In evangelism, we've stood on the street corners, we went door to door, we told people whether they wanted to hear it or not. They're not willing. There's a word for when you pull someone onto the dance floor who doesn't want to dance. Assault, okay? Soren Kierkegaard, the great Danish theologian, and philosopher, he describes an evangelist like a person who hides in the bushes and when his friend walks by, he sneaks up behind him and kicks him in his butt. Okay, his booty. guard uses a, a more graphic word. But then after he kicks him in his booty, he dives into the bushes and hides. His friend turns around and no one's there. Now he continues to walk. But as he walks, he is no longer walking along semi-conscious. No, he's startled. He's scratching his head. He's looking around. He's wondering, who was that? What's going on? Am I being watched? His whole mind and curiosity is now awakened. That's evangelism. We can't be pushy or bossy. We need to get people to process time. We can't be coercive, we can't be combative. Rather, we need to be like the midwives. Midwives know that giving life takes time and it can't be rushed without potentially lethal damage. Midwives, we need to be midwives. New life always takes time. It always takes care. I once read of a man who held up a sign at a busy shopping center saying, free kisses, come on up. And he videos it. And with every approach, every single woman not only kept their distance from this guy, they also appeared to be repulsed and grossed out. At the end of the day, one young woman walks by with her friends, and she feels sorry for the guy. So she walks up, and she, and he, she lets him kiss her on his, her cheek. And he tells her that he has been out here all day, and she was the first person to respond. One person out of hundreds. When asked how many respond to the yelling of the gospel with the, bo- with the bullhorn, I've heard many a street evangelist say, well, if just one responds, then it's all worth it. If just one person responds to me getting a megaphone and holding signs saying, turn or burn, if one person responds, then it's worth it. I would say, how many did you turn away? Just like the public kisser who finally got his smooch. Well, it was all worth it for just the one. One at the expense of hundreds? This is not the way of Jesus. You know who never got a bullhorn and held out pickups, picket signs in front of people and said "turn or burn"? Jesus. <laughs> he never does that. You know the people that he, the only people that he threatens hell to are the religious people who are threatening all the other people. He turns it on its head. Evangelism should be like dancing. We hear the music of the gospel. And we move our lives in sync with it. And we invite others to experience what we are experiencing. Are we making people thirsty for the water of life? For the living water? Can people see the love of Jesus in your life? What is the gospel according to you? The gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are read by many people, right? These are texts that have lasted for over 2,000 years. But the gospel that is most read and commented on Is the gospel according to you? You are writing a gospel, a chapter each day. By the things that you do and the words that you say. Men read what you write, whether faithless or true. What is the gospel according to you? Do men read his truth and his love in your life? Or has yours been too full of malice and strife? Does your life speak of evil or does it ring true? What is the gospel according to you? So back to this airplane. Megan, this Fresno State student, she asks, what do you do? I say, I'm a pastor. She says, of what church? And then she starts to just tear up. I can't even say anything. She says, this is a God thing. And she begins to pour her heart out about her life. And what she feels God is calling her and what God is doing in her life. And I just listened and prayed silently. That's not weird. Jesus is a gentleman. In Revelation, it says, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And then we get to open. God opens our doors. God opens doors for us to be able to share and show the love of Jesus. We don't kick doors open. We don't kick doors down and proclaim the truth. No, we show with our lives. We pray fervently and we love God and we love people. Let's do that together. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the explosive growth of the early church we thank you God for the amazing miracles that you did in the first century and we thank you for the amazing miracles that you're still doing today God we pray a blessing over every car here every family here we thank you for all the good and beautiful and true things that have happened even in the midst of difficulty God thank you that your church can always uh, is always going to stay strong that whether we can meet physically in one room or not, that God is bigger than that. And so God, I pray that in the midst of this season that we continue to shine brightly, that we love you and love others no matter whether we're meeting together or apart. And God, help us to just be real and authentic and honest about what you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name, all God's people honked, amen. 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 Amen.